Hi, I'm Adam Hergenrother, and welcome to Business Meets Spirituality, where we believe personal growth comes through business success. I am joined by Hallie Warner, my chief of staff. Today, we are having an uh, awesome conversation we want to bring to you guys today as well that really circulates around holidays, breaks. Uh, this could be vacations. This could be you know a day off if you haven't had a day off for a long time. This could be um, a five-minute uh, kind of break throughout your day or how you structure it. So we kind of want to bring this all full circle. But what sparked a lot of this was coming into the holiday season, uh, most people have a week or two weeks or some sort of long extended break. I know my kids had like two weeks, full two weeks off. Um, so people just had to have this natural break and they look forward to it. It's something that it's not like a vacation that you schedule, you know, three weeks out. Like people know Christmas break is coming up or holiday break, whatever that, whatever makes sense to you. It's to kind of look forward to it. So people come into kind of the holiday season with this opportunity to be unstructured. And yet when we're unstructured, we, uh, well, at least for me, and Hallie, I want to get your perspective on this as well too. When I come into a, a break, I like to work as hard as I can, kind of leaning up into it. So I actually feel like I've earned this, right? Like I've earned the ability to be unstructured for a period of time. And maybe you've kind of, if you're listening to this, you're probably similar to that as well. You like to come into it. Whereas if I had like a, like a slow week or a week off, I don't feel like I really earned the week off. Um, so for me, this is, this is my experience. I'm going to get yours too, but um, that I feel like I need to just kind of ramp that up so that like, man, because if you hit it really hard and you're in there, some of the best vacations I've taken actually have been like when I've, when I've, when I've, we come into like a training event where I've been training nonstop for like a two day event or a three day event. And then like at six o'clock that night, like you end the training event and the next day you go on there, you feel really kind of feel actually when I went to France earlier this year, I remember we, we got done teaching like a two or three day class and I got picked up five minutes after I finished a class. And I remember getting into the car to go up to the airport and I was like, wow, man, this is going to feel great. Like I just got done. Like I feel fulfilled and contributed. So like we kind of, that's why also people tend to work a lot harder the day before vacation because they know they're getting a break. So they like to kind of ramp up what they're doing. They like to ramp up their kind of effectiveness um, versus kind of coming into it a little slow. And it doesn't mean that it always works that way, but typically when you chat with individuals, they seem to get a lot done. Um, and we've had conversations about this in terms of why that is because of how they're using their time. But I also think the the mental side of how they use their time is because they know they're getting a break. So they ramp up their intensity of what they're doing in their time, right? It's kind of like when you're, at least when I, the first thought I had when I said that was like when I'm swimming sometimes, like I know that if I'm doing my last set and it's the last like 50 or 100 yards in the set, I will, I will work harder than it is the first set because I know I'm about to get a break. Mm -hmm. And so I think just naturally this, this kind of, this opposite counterbalancing in our lives of working hard than break, working hard. And working hard is, doesn't mean like you're physically like building a house. It can be working hard exercise. It can be working hard in just reading. It can be working hard in your work I activities. Think the, the working hard means working intentionally and purposefully. It's yes. a great way of saying it. Um, yeah. we, we always talk about, and I hashtag this a lot because I'm a big believer in it, is about working between vacations. Yes. Because it's it is that counterbalance. It's you're on and you're and whether that's ninety days and then you know you have a vacation or a holiday break or it's two week you know you're two weeks on and you're one week off whatever your kind of your day looks like or your week looks like or your year or maybe you work really hard for six months knowing you're going to take a three week yeah. vacation whatever it is it's working between vacations which is why we talk about mm -hmm. in the beginning of every year making sure you schedule all of those breaks because I think that knowing when you have that unstructured time, whatever that means to you, actually does make you more effective when you are supposed to be on. 
Yeah. And, and let me, so let's just go deep in this conversation because we like to do that here. One of the things that I struggled with, with this break was I wanted to be unstructured, meaning kind of wanted like, I looked forward to it. It's almost like you look forward to that mental, like that mental reprieve, like you're just not accountable to anybody. Like I just, I can sleep in wherever I want. You knew no one else was going to be working, working or answering yeah. emails. Yeah. It sounded nice. It did. It sounded nice. And then like literally like the next morning I woke up and I, I slept in purposefully and skipped my whole routine. And then I felt worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I literally just felt worse. I was like, man, what's wrong with me? And then I, so then again, kind of, you know, we're just going to the spiritual conversation. Is that right? Should you, should you be beating yourself up for now feeling bad for enjoying because you worked hard into this? It's, it's a debate, right? Or, or do you, um, or do you, de- or do you just stay focused so that you get your things done and then be unfocused? I mean, what do you think about that, Hallie? Well, I think the this whole the holiday was like two weeks, kind of two. Yeah. So I mean, almost close to three. Yeah, but the way the holidays felt, fell, it was at least for me, it was not. I did not plan on taking time off around those. I like like took, took a couple of days off, and so but the rest of the world and yeah. the company seemed to not be working. So that was actually really um, challenging because it was almost like it was forcing me to slow down simply because there wasn't a lot of other things happening. Um, and in theory, I'm like, oh, great, I can get caught up. But it just, it didn't really work. And it was different than being really intentional on a vacation. Yeah. I don't know, these, this ho- the holiday felt different. It was like forced unstructured time rather yeah. than chosen unstructured time, yeah. which I didn't love. Yeah. Um, well, you hate anybody forcing anything on you. So I, I mean, yes. or telling you anything Very to do with this. So that's clear. But um, independent, stubborn individual. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the, so the question comes down to then is like one of the things that I wrestled with, and I think you did too. And, and uh, I know Caitlin, who sits in here as well, and this, maybe you didn't actually. We never, I don't think, heard from you <laughs> or not. But I mean, she's probably the one who didn't. But yeah. um, she's, she's much more spiritual than we are in terms of inner her interconnectionness. But um, I, I struggled with this of like, man, do I need to go back to work? <laughs> like I literally felt like that on Saturday when I came in and I was like, do I need to go back to work? Do I need to go work right now? Or what, what am I feeling here? So then I tried to get behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I let this kind of like, all right, well, why am I feeling tension? Why am I feeling restless right now? And it was, it was also this conversation that you create these habits in your life, right? You use discipline long enough to create a habit. And I think um, for me, for a decade, I've been, which is fascinating in my life that it's been a decade now, of really creating these solid habits of constant growth every day. And I think I've defined success in my life by being able to grow and serve and contribute every day. So therefore, my metrics for how I win the day, if you will, are growth. Um, It doesn't always mean success. It means growth, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, serving, contributing to something that's larger than myself. And, and part of it may be because I'm still trying to get the feeling from, from growing. Like when I give, like you get a feeling is that, you know, is that, should you really be just be giving to giving or should you be giving to get a feeling? It's up for debate as that, well too. That growth and that contribution for you come through work, which is why when you were home, it didn't feel quite the same. I mean, I know that was for me. I, I feel the exact same way, but because I wasn't able to do that in the business world for a week or so, sure, I could have given to my family and, you know, to my husband and whatever, but that is not, wasn't the same thing as, as what I get from, what I get from work, yeah. which is to your point, I was looking for what I could get yeah. um, rather than either being in the moment, serving the moment. I mean, how do you, how do you reconcile all of that? Well, I think the, I think you, I, I think you wrap yourself up in the identity of work, not you personally, but all of us. And so that we feel we have this kind of safe place we can go to at work 
that that with certainty, right, we will pull ourselves into making ourselves feel a certain way, just mm-hmm. like exercise. You know, if you go for a run, I'm not saying it's bad or, or right or wrong. I'm just, this is how I kind of reconcile it, right? Is if you go for a run for 30 minutes, you, regardless of like whether you ran six minute miles or 15 minute miles, you're still going to feel endorphins from running. You're going to feel better about it, right? Mm. <laughs> I feel like running for me is still in the uncertainty category, well, a, but work is certainty, yes. not well, that's, uncertainty. I guess that's my point. Yeah. I guess for, yeah, for, for, every, everyone has this like this preferred place to go and hide Yes. Um, instead of having it, whether that's instead of you're feeling restless because you're forced to be inward or you should you be able to just kind of sit and be. Like I don't... I, to me, that doesn't get me really excited just sitting there and just kind of watching a flower. Now, I'm sure that there's people that can do that and they find, and maybe I'm not there, that it's to find their joy. But I think there's also this whole achiever, which is business meets spirituality, this whole achiever side that people, people that can, that in my impression, the people that can really kind of sit there and just enjoy, not just enjoying experience, that's not right, because everybody can do that, but just really kind of searches for opportunities to kind of sit there and just be there don't always get fulfilled through their work necessarily. I'm just kind of making a little bit of jump here, but like this, for, for my personal experience, kind of I've seen things, I get a lot of satisfaction and growth from working with you, from working with all of our employees, working with our clients, working with anybody that we have and our customers and our um, and anybody that we're partnered with, right? So I know I can come in here and I can, I can, I can, I guess I see the certainty comes in, yeah. right? Because you know, I know I can feel a certain way. I can grow and I can give, I can do a podcast, I can, I can do all these different things so that I'm feeling a certain way. Whereas I'm there, um, you're kind of, you, you can't necessarily grow as much. And is that, should you just be able to be um, like on an unstructured place and just be fine with that? If you talk to somebody like Michael Singer, or if you talk to, you know, I know Michael because he's had this conversation in many of his talks and different things, like you should be able to be doing any type of experience and feeling incredible amount of joy in anything that you're doing. Yeah. Yet, I see, I hear that, but then I, if you listen to what he does, it's not like he sits around that much. And like when he was building his company for 30 years, he talks about how he worked, he, he slept for three or four hours a day, mm-hmm. right? And then poured his entire heart into building his software company. But being and doing are not mutually exclusive, right? I mean, you can be doing, yes. building the companies, and, but still be. Yes, centered. Right. Yes. And still be a human being while, while you're doing. while you're doing. Which is which is goes. You don't to have to do one or the other. You don't have to be being and being. Meaning like you don't have to be you don't have to be being and then sitting there right. to be. That's the whole point of right. you don't have to be in a cave to be conscious or spiritual or awakening up. There are everyone has a you know, I believe that everyone has a, a, a soul that is here to evolve in a certain way and how you evolve is is you naturally pulled to what how life is unfolding for you, right? And I don't know if life's really unfolding for us, but I because nobody really knows that, but I'm choosing to believe that constantly that life is unfolding for us and it's giving us opportunities to allow ourselves to grow. And for me, it happened through the business, right? And it happened to be able to grow through these different experiences. For other people, maybe teaching. For other people, maybe, you know. Being a parent. Being a parent. Maybe being an athlete, right? Any of these type of things, people can find their way to express themselves. But I think you may bring up a good point of that is it's first being, which you center yourself, let go of that personal side of you that wants to be in control of it. And then you act when life is um, staring you in the face because it's just, it, you have an opportunity to do, right? So this, you and I both felt this tension then, you know, during the holiday break that we weren't, I mean, at least for me, it was, I wasn't doing yes. enough. Yes. But if I had been coming from a place of just being, it wouldn't necessarily have mattered what I was doing. 
yet we were both feeling like we got to get back into that, you know, achiever mode. Yeah. So, you know, how do you really balance between that achieving and the wanting that structure and routine and discipline versus, you know, being okay with some unstructured time and having some of that freedom and flexibility to just be. Yeah. You know, if you just won the lottery, it's going on vacation for two weeks to Hawaii may sound very enticing, but there's only so many drinks you can have. There's so many sunsets you can watch before you really want to contribute, which is why people who have all the money in the world or who who are even very holistic in their approach to everything go out and write books. They're teaching as professors, right? All these, they're they're constantly contributing or they're being involved in their businesses or staying in the game, whatever you want to call it, because they need to, they need to contribute. But is that, well, okay, so we were talking about this email you sent me this morning about the six human needs that Tony Robbins talks about, and contribution is one of them. And then I always think coming from contribution or contributing just feels like this. You're doing all these great things for the world. You're serving others. You're giving. What I'm also hearing and how I experience it is you're really doing it for yourself. And so is con- contribution a selfish act? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think that you can you, you contribute or you give, right, as like a spiritual need to feel connected with other people. Um, and how you give and how you contribute is going to change. Some people may give their their time and their presence. I don't mean just like physically there, like actually giving your presence, which I think are the two most valuable things you can give. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to write a checkout, by the way, it really is, than it is to give somebody your time and your presence. Mm-hmm. And so I think your spiritual needs of the six certain of the six needs that kind of Tony talks about. There's two spiritual ones, which is again right. It's it's the growth and contribution, right? And you're contributing. You grow to contribute, right? That's why growth is five and contribution is six. And mm-hmm. so you're growing to contribute. And as you contribute more, um, what was the question you, well, just I asked? Guess you posed it really well? well I was going to say, I guess they're called human six human needs for a, a reason. I mean, it is a self indexed these six things are very self-indexed, right? I mean, you're growing for yourself. You're contributing, yes, to others, but ultimately to fulfill your own human needs, right? Yeah, I think you're growing to grow your spiritual development instead of growing to gain an advantage of somebody. Um, and I think if you're like, you can do the same thing. Like we were, we use the example, like you can coach a client, right? And you could be coaching them to f- fulfill your own self and like trying to make yourself feel significance, right. make yourself feel better. Like, look how good I am. Or you can, you can coach a client, same words, same time, same allocation of everything, yet you're doing it to contribute to their life. It's what part of you is yes. doing it. It's not, remember, spirituality, one of the, the greatest definitions I've ever heard is not about changing your routines or changing your life. It's changing what part of you is doing it. And that is one of the most fundamental things that you can learn in consciousness and conscious coaching and spirituality, any of these conversations. It doesn't mean that you become spiritual and have to go hang out in a cave or even like quit your work or do any of these things. That's not what anybody is referring to. What it really comes down to is what part of you is doing it. And that's a great example of this, Hallie. It's like, are you coaching to feel significant? Are you growing a business to feel significant? Are you coming into work on a Tuesday to when nobody else is here to feel significant? Are you contributing to others to or, feel significant? Or, yes. Or are you contributing yeah. to others to feel significant? Or are you coming in here because you're just filled with passion and excitement and, and you just want to contribute to the world with no expectation of anything in return? Because you're already whole and complete, complete. inside, right. which therefore allows you to contribute more contribute more right I, and you, you hear um, most recently Michael Singer did this really cool kind of video series and one of the things he says he goes you know because he's just kind of ad-libbing it and he's like people always get up all kind of like out of 
you know, bent out of shape a little bit. He's like, you know, he's like, man, if I'm just, if I feel the, all this, this, this excitement and joy and all these high states of feeling, like, why would I get out of bed? He goes, because you have so much joy and excitement and passion that like all you want to do is get out of bed and share that with the world instead of going in there and trying to, you know, have a client that you're kind of forcing to do something, whatever business makes sense to you, right? Or whatever application of that makes sense to really, to get something out of it instead of contributing wholly, right? Like pouring yourself into the conversation so that people can gain those lessons. And yes, you will get things in return from that, but you're contributing first to do it. And by the way, it doesn't mean you can't build a very profitable company the other way, right? You can, you can, you can be very significant. You can be very artistical. You can, you can be contributing to the world to gain money and you can become a billion dollar company or a billionaire, whatever you are, but how do you feel inside? It's like this inner scorecard that you have. And that's why it goes back to during the holiday break, I kept asking myself and reminding myself, how do I feel my inner scorecard right now? And then I would look over and I would see my three kids and I'd say, that's your chance to be. And so then what I started doing is I said, okay, well, I can't just sit here and play Barbie doll. Like I, I, I can for a few minutes, but like <laughs> I, I, I got to move on from that. So then I said, well, what can we do? So then we, then we brought out, I'm like, hey, let's play some chess and then let's play checkers, right? And so we started playing games and we built a Lego set. And by the way, we played a Monopoly game that started at six o'clock in the morning for three hours, my five-year-old, who was just awesome. And we got lost in that whole thing. So we were contributing, I was being with him, I was teaching him lessons. So again, kind of using all these different things of kind of, how do I reframe that? So if I do have time, how do I be with them instead of just kind of sitting there and then they're just going to get lost and want to go on an iPad or something. And we've restricted that from where they are anyway. So how do we become all of that? And I think you can do the same thing in your life. And you made a very good point earlier. You talked about like the, this kind of counterbalancing, if you will. And I think, you know, where that goes is like, if you go to like that kind of middle, the, the way or like the Tao Te Ching, right. Of where you, where you really look at that as terms of how do you kind of follow the, that middle line as much as possible. And I think, when you are working really hard, you're kind of pulling away from that middle and like achiever status. Like you're sure you're pulling away. The pull or that tension that you feel is actually that middle way trying to pull you back into line. So the further you kind of go out of balance, the stronger that that force is because it's basically being like, I'm going to pull you back, but it's just like it's the magnetic force or field or that energy is feeling stronger. So it's like the longer you go without kind of having a slight counterbalance or a slight movement, if you're moving to the left constantly for a month, man, that feeling of wanting to swing back to the right is going to be extremely powerful. And that's that kind of tension, that pull that we feel is like when we kind of get out of that balance, maybe we're swinging. If we always swing to the left, when you're on a holiday, maybe you swing to the right a little bit. And you're like, and on the left is more of that contribution, that growth side. And if you're swinging to the right, you're like, I need to be more on the left side. I need to do something, which then again, you can find a different outlet to do that in, whether that's Monopoly, whether that's your games, whether that's reading, whether that's writing an email, whether that's, you know, just going back to the going office, back to the, <laughs> whatever those things are. But I think that that's a really powerful way. You can't live on the extremes. If you like warm weather and it's a thousand degrees, then you're going to burn. If you like cold weather and it's negative a thousand degrees, you're going to be gone in a second. So it's kind of finding that counter, that kind of middle way. And that's been ancient teachings for years. But right, finding the middle way, but knowing you're always going to be yeah, it's like, going back and forth and balancing or counterbalancing it's the like, whole way. Yeah, and I think this is in the in the book, The One Thing, where they um where they talk about counterbalancing and if you they, they give the example of a ballerina who gets on one foot or one foot, one toe. I forget what it's called. Um, maybe you guys know, but it's like when a ballerina gets on one toe from afar it looks like the individual is balancing on one toe. 
But if you actually get up really close, what they're doing is they're constantly doing every millisecond, they're doing constant counterbalancing in order to make it seem like they're balanced. Mm -hmm. And so that's the same kind of theme in our lives is when we get, we're constantly going these counterbalances. So the more we get pulled to the left or pulled to the right, there's this natural tension that wants to pull us back to the middle way. If you eat way too much food, which we probably all did during the holidays, you once you ate it all, you're like, man, I need to like, I need to like, it's just instant like this voice or the pull. You need like, a salad and I some need water. A salad and some water. You go exercise. So again, it pulls you back into it. Whereas if you didn't eat too much, there that tension wouldn't exist. Mm. And so the tension only starts to exist when we're pulled in one direction or the other. So again, that's why we go back to how do you counterbalance this constantly? Well, I think, and I, I think it's just interesting also that it's it's so different for different people. I mean, I know people who need. They need their two days off every single weekend to yeah. really, you know, recharge, reset. They want to be completely unplugged, mm-hmm. whatever. Yes. Um, and that's how they get rebalanced in that in the counterbalance. And then there's other people, probably my, myself included. Like I could go six months, seven months, eight months. I could go years, probably. Yeah. Pretty full on. Yes. And then I'm going to need like three months yes. off. <laughs> You know, I mean, yes, I think it's just yeah. a little different for everybody, but it's, well, of course it is. it's still that it's still ultimately just counterbalancing. And when you feel that tension, how do you, how do you adjust? Yeah. And I think it's a great point. I mean, it's so drastically different for people, isn't it? Like it's literally in which way you swing, right? Which way yeah. do you naturally swing? I think if I'm using the analogy here, swinging, if you swing to the left is more of like an achiever, if you will, in terms of like wanting to grow and like contribute, like go build stuff, right. And, and run companies and do different things. Whereas maybe on the right side is more of like the kind of like just your, your, it's an easier flow of things. And it's just like, where do you naturally go to? Which, which way do you swing, right? Left or right, naturally. Where and so then it's just kind of that, that tension there. So how do you bring, so forget about the holidays, right? Because mm-hmm. the holidays are going to show up. Um, and you bring up a good point about like the weekends, people, some people need like two days off or, you know, Sunday was the natural day for people to have rest day, right? You work six days and you have Sunday off. Now it's kind of like their thing. If you worked six days, a, by the way, the interesting thing, if you think about this too, if you work six days, you know, a hundred years ago, I think it was like 86, 87%. We'd looked up this one. Somewhere in the 80s were farms, right? And so like the whole family starting at like age two or three, people were working in the farms, right? Actually, it was at a, uh, I was in British Columbia a couple months ago and I pulled up early in the morning to go get into this Jeep for this reason. And it was like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. And it was like six degrees out. There's like a foot of snow. And I look over and I see something going on over there. I'm like, man, what's the thing? What's going on over there? And then all of a sudden, like four and six-year-olds come walking out. And I'm like, like 5.15 in the morning, it's six degrees out. And I'm like, well, what are they doing? They're like, oh, they're feeding the horses, right? And they live on a big ranch. There's not much people around. And it's just, I was like, I thought about that. And I felt so bad for my kids because I'm like, man, my, my kids wouldn't be outside in this right now. They wouldn't up right now. And yet they got up and they did their chores. This is kind of what they sustained to. So my point is that, when a lot of people have farming or like farms, they fit, they had to do the work in order to put it in. So then on Sunday was a rest day because they worked hard and they earned that kind of rest day. So it was kind of that natural. I think week actually, we'll have to look this up, but I think weekends only came, really came about in, I want to say sometime around the industrial revolution where they needed to, somehow they like had six day work weeks and then it actually became like five day work weeks, which mm-hmm. is the work week that we consider today. I mean, it hasn't even been around for that long, which yeah. is- Interesting, and then to your point, hundreds of years ago, it was you for just, thousands of years. You just right. whatever needed yes. to get done, you just got done because yeah. that we had to. to Do you think to we're survive. swinging back to the other side? By the way, Do you, I I feel like we're 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 going back to it's not it's the kind of work life integration. Like people aren't necessarily looking at it as a five day work week as much. 
Um, oh yeah, I mean, I, I, I would totally I, yeah. agree with that. I don't consider it really. Yeah, I feel like it's a structured five day work week for yes. me, but it's or an accountable. Five right, day I'm work accountable week. five days a week, and yeah. then I mean, I'm definitely working on the weekends when I need to. Not always, um, but you, you just you, you work when you need to work, and you take a break when you need to take a break. So you know, um, so I kind of went off on a tangent on that story, but it just kind of made me think about what. Well, the environment people are raised into, they just don't know any difference. So they were doing those things. And mm-hmm. so they, they kind of know what they're, they work hard. Lionel Sanders, is the guy I love to follow. You guys probably don't know who he is, but he's a big triathlete, like a professional triathlete. And he made a comment, this kind of popped in my head the other day. He said, every two to three weeks, I like to have a recovery week. But the only way that I feel like I can have a recovery week is if I just get after it the week before, like to the point where I'm shelled. Like it's an exercise term where you just feel like you're doing it. He goes, otherwise I don't, I don't feel I've deserved a recovery week. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the same process. And so we're talking about a two weeks. We're talking about, you know, two weeks, three weeks on exercise and a week off and it's lighter exercise. We're talking about, you know, Hallie going a year, then three months out or whatever it is, the other <laughs> things. Or you bring this down to your everyday, right? So like, how do you bring this into everyday? And so for, again, this is kind of how I structured my life. Which might be healthier. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it well, might be. Well, it's healthier for somebody else who can't do that. Mm, yeah, so okay. again, you go, everyone's different. There's not a, so with the whole point, the model that you follow is determining where your health lies. How far out of balance can you be before something gets destructive? Right. And so for you, you know, it, your pendulum may be only swinging a tiny amount when you're out of balance for a week. Whereas somebody, if they're out of balance for a week, it may be like 15 degrees higher than where yours is. So the tension is much harder mm. and, and stronger to pull you back towards that center. And so for for me, by the way, it's, it's, I need to every morning get up and have a routine. I just, even if I've just gotten two or three hours sleep, I just, I need to get up and get that done. I'd rather do that than get sleep, to be honest with you. Well, and I think this is even what we talked about in the beginning. It's, it's not even necessarily about that balance counterbalance as much as it is during the holiday. We just wanted to feel, we wanted to feel productive yes. and like we were contributing to society. We yeah. wanted to feel like we had a win each day, whatever that meant. Yeah. I think it's, it's the win each day. And so like when I started reframing my, my context going into the holiday, and that's why I talked about my kids. Thank you for reminding me. It was like, okay, how do I win? How do I feel successful? Cause feeling successful is just an internal, right? It's an Absolutely. internal dialogue. Yes. And so for me, I think I've, I've been on such autopilot. Like I need to do all of these things today in order to feel successful. Whereas when I cut that down to by 90%, right? I didn't feel successful. So then I had to reframe what success meant to me during break. Mm-hmm. I had to reframe what it meant to me during a vacation or during this. And so then I said, Hey, if I can get a, my meditation in the morning, my meditation in the evening and whatever exercise I get, I'm okay with. And as long as I can, um, be with my kids and, and play these things, then that's a success. Like these are the three things I need to do. And so then it just changed what my blueprint for success was. And so it made it easier for me to accept where the holiday, right. To a certain extent. And to be present in that moment because yeah. you had, because I wasn't thinking about, mind. I need to do all these different Right. things and being lost and not even being present not enjoying any of it, right? right. So you're kind totally. of redefining what that is. And I think you need to do the same thing for your everyday work. If now forget holidays, forget vacations. Think about the other, you know, 340 days a year, 300 days a year, whatever they are of, okay, how do I feel successful? Well, how do I win today, right? And so for me, it's getting up early. It's getting my meditation, my journaling, my exercise, and then, and then some family time. Though I will say, meditation, journaling, and exercise is more important during that morning block than my family is. Now, it's not more important than my family. It's more important in that moment. Now, if they needed me, that's different. I will stop and they, they'll be there. 
I need to get that done so I can feel like I contributed to my own internal growth first. Then I spend some time with family. Then I come to business and I get really structured for about three and a half hours in the morning. And then I have to be unstructured. That's why my break comes in. So I get real structured in the morning. I have a little break with my kids and I get to work and I usually have another little 30 minute break of kind of just taking care of things. Then I get real purposeful in appointments or meetings for about three and a half hours. Then I get unstructured again. So I'm constantly putting in this this natural counterbalance of how I work best every single day. And so I need that break in there. That break, you know, has, has been as long as three hours and it's been as short as, you know, never, right. Just not having that. And I, 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 in fact, we've actually shrunk that down a little bit just because I felt like it was almost too long. I I started, I wanted the break, right. Kind of the same thing about the holiday. I wanted a break at a starting at 1130, but then by 1245, I was like, I'm ready to go again. And I still have 45 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes. Now I just feel like I'm being unproductive again. So mm-hmm. then you give start, me something. Then you start distracting yeah, people. Yeah, then I start walking to Hallie's office and she's like, <laughs> what are you doing? So I just start distracting. So then we've kind of moved that back down to about one. So now I've kind of, I feel like we have an hour and a half break, which is enough for me to check emails. I meditate again. So there's 25 minutes right there. I eat again. So it's purposeful. And I find that's just a kind of a, almost a perfect rhythm Again, kind of balance of how much I need to be off um, because of some things that I'm doing during that time, um, and and I and that'll likely change and yes. again in a year, right? Exactly. I mean, and we'll adjust from there. Constant refinement, yeah. And then again, I can go to about four, four thirty. But after that, I also then need a break. I, I just need to disconnect. It doesn't mean I'm not willing to work. I don't want to. I just need to disconnect, and I can go home and do some things, and I'll kind of jump back on. So for me, that works. Other people, I, you know, I was having this conversation with. Um, uh, uh, one of our employees and they were saying this guy who runs a very, very successful company um, in the Midwest, he, his day is that he will, st- his day starts at like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and he works until about five and he's home from five to about 7.30 with his family every night um, for about two and a half hours or maybe even to like 8.30. And then at like nine o'clock, he goes back into the office from nine until two in the morning. And this is every single day. He comes home, he sleeps again until 9 or 9.30 in the morning and gets back up and that's his entire routine. And that works very, very effective for him. He mm-hmm. loves working at night. He loves doing those things. I thought it was kind of fascinating. Again, you went back to saying how people are just different, mm-hmm. right? You know, those are more outliers. And I'm not saying it's probably the model that most of us can follow. Um, but the model itself is he's got breaks in there. That's, right. that's what I'm trying to say is that like, and that his, he has a routine he has a routine he's created the habits but he's got his breaks in there so that he constantly is dealing with this counterbalancing he's constantly so when he when he works I'm sure towards the end of that like that first five or six hour burst he's feeling tension to now want to stop for a little while mm-hmm. so he stops for a couple hours then again he's he's feeling the tension from stopping too long to wanting to work again so again it's that constant there's a pull that always wants to keep us centered, right? And again, ancient teachings have talked about this, the yin and the yang, the, the Tao Te Ching, right? Just, you go read all about that. And it's all about this pull on both sides to keep you in that middle. And that's why we feel this way when we're, we're looking at breaks or we're looking at holidays or we're looking at our just normal work day, right? And it's just this constant, it's just constant pull to keep us centered as much as possible. So if we know that as you, whenever you're listening to this, how do you structure your day and so then again, each, each minute so that you're either structured or unstructured. It doesn't mean you're going to be, you're not defining what you're doing every single minute when you're unstructured. That's the point of being unstructured is to just be unstructured. So then you want to be structured again. It's like when you go on a vacation, you want to, like day four of a six day vacation, if that's what your thing is, you want to be feeling like you want to go back to work. So that way by day six, it's such a pull that you're like, you're there at six o'clock in the morning. And you're like, where's everybody? I just want to talk to somebody. I need some like human. I want to build something, right? Oh my God, that's it's how I felt. Constant pull. Yeah, we all did. And so then, yeah. but I think knowing it 
understanding it, understanding why there's that pull on both sides and then structuring your life as best you can around this type of, um, of these scenarios will really help you stay in line. And knowing each day what your one win is. Yes. And then how do you, how do you have your win for like your normal kind of everyday routine? And then how do you have a win for breaks? How do you have a win if, if, if for the taking, weekend, yeah, yeah. If taking your weekend is, what is that? Right. Some people will exercise Monday through Friday. Then, Hey, the weekends it's, it's out the door. Like, I don't want to do that. I did that for a long period of time. Actually, it was like, Hey, as I got my four days of exercise in Monday through Friday, that's awesome. Then I would just take the weekend off. That's awesome too. Right. So people defining what that is, or maybe you want to read a book or any of these type of things that you're doing. Maybe people, you know, they want to go meditate for the weekend or, or whatever it is that makes sense for you. It's finding what your win is and then redefining what that win is and just constantly asking yourself the question is how close I am to being in balance. And if you're wondering where to go with that question is how much tension do I feel in my life? Am I being pulled in a certain direction? And just really don't go intellectual on yourself there and trying to rationalize why you're doing it because that'll win out every time. I mean, first being before you're doing. So then feel the being of what, where am I being pulled? Am I being pulled to want to break? You know, I just, I naturally go to exercise because I love it. So I, so I apologize for doing that. But like, I've been, I've been, I, I hit it really hard in exercise when I had all this time because <laughs> first of all, I needed to like burn energy. Um, and I really kind of shelled myself. And last night I was like, I just finished my long run after skiing all day and skinning for hours. And I was just like, I just need to pull myself back on a really light exercise for the next couple of days. Again, so I'd worked myself too hard and I could feel it. Like, I'm like, I want to do these things. I'm like, I just need to do a light spin tomorrow and a light master. I know it's a lot, but then I got to do some masters. So again, I just, I just, I had to revamp and redefine what success. Cause if I would have woken up with the attitude, I need to do everything. I would have felt like a failure for not getting in every single thing that I needed to do. So it's just that pull was basically saying, hey, slow down here for a second. Mm-hmm. And it's just if you, the more in line, the more in touch you are with the center and the more you can see the center and more you can feel the center. Or the, just in tune with, your, with yourself. With yourself, yeah that's, yeah. that's kind of what I mean by that is the more you'll be able to see, experience uh, what, how life is staring you in the face, how life is unfolding for you, right? And choosing to believe that and it's giving you the opportunity to how to participate in life too. Hey, it's Hallie here again. I wanted to share a few more details with you about our upcoming event in Dallas. It's called Behind the Business, How to Bootstrap Your Way to a Billion Dollar Business. Um, At the event, Adam and I are going to be sharing with you how we work together to tackle tough conversations, long-term strategy, short-term tactics, and difficult decisions in the C-suite. So if you're a business owner or someone like me supporting the growth of an organization with big vision and dreams, and you like what we've been talking about here on Business Meet Spirituality, then this event is definitely for you. You'll walk away with a new perspective on the inner workings of a successful business and strategies to make sure the conversations happening in your business are the most productive and impactful ones. We'd love to see you in Dallas, so you can get your ticket by going to adamhergenrother.com. We'll also drop a link in the show notes for you, and we hope to see you there.